Thank you so much for joining us at Remnant Church Podcast. We hope that you are encouraged by today's message. If you would like to know more or support this ministry, please go to remnantchurch.church. And now, the message from Pastor Caleb. I want to welcome our online audience as well. We're so honored to have you joining us today. You can't be here, but that's okay. We'll come to where you are. And we believe that there is no distance uh, when it comes to prayer and the presence of God. I believe just like God's going to move in here this morning, I believe God's going to move wherever you're at watching this today. Turning your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. This morning, I want to preach a message entitled, Let It Go, Leave It Behind, and Don't Look Back. Amen? Let it go. Leave it behind. And don't look back. One more time, just to get it in your spirit. Let it go. Leave it behind. And don't look back. Here we go. Father, speak to me, through us, through me, to us. Let it be my mouth, but your words. My mind, but your thoughts. I have nothing to say unless you speak it through me today. May we take the word this morning and apply it to our hearts and our lives. We give you glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me add this today and let you in on something wonderful that happened in our 9 o'clock service today. We had one person give their life, life to Jesus Christ today. Come on, can you give God praise for that? That is the greatest miracle that could ever take place. And I've seen it with my own eyes today. Colossians chapter 2. Oh, and he's no respecter of persons. If he done it for her, he can do it for you today. Colossians chapter 2. Let me read it. For the entire fullness, everything, For the entire fullness of God, all of God's nature, dwells in Christ Jesus. And you have been filled by him. Who is the head over every ruler and authority. Listen to me real good, real quick. I've got the cure to anxiety, to fear, and the worry. Anybody struggling with anxiety? Anybody struggle with fear? Let me, let me tell you something about fear. Fear will come on you all of a sudden. You'll be going throughout your life and not thinking about anything, and then all of a sudden, fear will come upon you. You know, I've had to deal with fear my entire life. You say, oh, you're the pastor. You, you live above fear. No, I battle fear just like you do, but I don't battle it with my own power and my own strength. I have to remind fear who I serve. I have to remind fear the God that's on the inside of me. 
I have to remind myself that fear is a spirit, and God has not given us the spirit of fear, but a power of love and of a sound mind. I've got the cure to anxiety, fear, and worry. You want to know what it is? I heard somebody say the other day, Pastor, everything is changing. There are some things that have changed, but there is some things that will not change. Colossians chapter 1 speaks of a God that created the universe, that threw the stars up into the, in the sky and placed the planets in the solar system and keeps this earth spinning on its axis today. This creator is Jesus Christ. The Bible would go on to say, Colossians would say, this is the creator, Jesus. There was nothing that wasn't created. Jesus did not create. He's the firstborn of every creation. He was, he is, and he will always be the creator. And then it talks about that he holds all things together, speaking of the earth and the solar systems, but not just that. Not only is he the creator who holds all things together and sustains all things, but he is also my savior and my Lord and my personal friend who lives on the inside of me. No, 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 no. hold on just a second. Now, Judah, he's my son. He's a year and a half old. You ask him, Judah, where's Jesus? And he'll go, right? In my heart. Oh, that's so cute, ain't it? I love to ask him, where's Jesus, Judah? In my heart. Let's see if it's cute when y'all do it. Where's Jesus? It's not near as cute when y'all do it. But it's really cute when he does it. And we've been taught this all our life. Where's Jesus? He's in my heart. Then we get a little older. He's living on the inside of me. And that just becomes rhetoric. It just becomes talk. And we really don't believe it. But Paul said this is the mystery. Jesus living on the inside of us. All the, the whole Bible. It all... It's all about this one thing. This is the mystery that the creator, the redeemer of the world lives inside of me. This is the hope of glory. There is nothing greater. There is nothing that compare than the creator, the power of all power, ruler of every authority living on the inside of me. Yes, there are some things that are going to change, but there is one thing that will not change. Jesus living on the inside of me, holding it all together. There's nothing, there's no one bigger, better, or badder than Jesus. You hear me? Get it down in your spirit. This is the one who is living on the inside of you. I don't have anything to worry about. Why? Here it is. I am complete in him who is the head over every ruler and authority. 
there is one who's bigger than COVID-19 or corona or cancer or sickness or mental issues, chemical imbalances, there is one greater. There is one greater. And his name is Jesus. He is the ruler of over, over every authority and every power. You don't believe that. You don't believe that. If you did believe that, you wouldn't be full of anxiety. You wouldn't be full of worry if you believe that. You might have a season of it, but you'd come to your senses. Let me ask you this. If you knew the way the ball game was going to go, the last game of the World Series, and you already knew that your team was going to come out on top, yet they were down in the eighth inning by five runs, would you be worried? No. Why? Because you know that your team is going to win. You may feel like you're down five runs. You may feel like you're down and out and, and, and it looks like God's not concerned with what's going on in your life. And he's left you where you're at and you're by yourself and it's getting late in the game. Can I remind you? I know how this thing works out. I know, I know how this thing ends. I win. The reason I win is because he's already won. He's the victor. He's the win. Listen, there's not a fault fight that he hasn't already fought. There's not a victory that he hasn't already won. There's not a problem he hasn't already solved. There's not a question that he is not the answer to. That's why I don't worry. That's why I don't... He worked this thing out. He's already went before me. He's already fighting my battles. He's already won. And as long as I don't try to jump ship, when it gets hard, when it gets heavy, victory is guaranteed. Anybody listening to me this morning? Is the reason you're so quiet because you're listening? Am I boring you today? I got three points I want to bring out. This is the first point. The first point is this. Let it go. Look what it says. The Bible says you were circumcised in him with a circumcision. This is verse 11. Not done with hands by putting off the body of flesh and the circumcision of Christ. I know when we look at the Bible, we read the Bible, and we read that part in circumcision. A lot of you who were like me at one time probably said, I don't know what that's about, but I don't want no part of it. Whatever happened to me as a child happened to me as a child. If I ain't got circumcised by now, it's too late. You get what I'm saying? 
What does it have to do, circumcision with the Bible? Give me John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave me his only begotten son. Let's not talk about circumcision. And you're like me, you just flip the page. But we can't flip the page. We need to talk about it. So much so is said about circumcision. This was a sign that you were a Jew. Jews were circumcised. A couple days after birth, every Jew was to be circumcised. Jews were the first people that had access to Jesus. And a signifying mark on their body was every male was circumcised. Jesus dies and he rises again. And now the gospel's open to the whole world. Not only Jews, but Gentiles as well. And the Jews, Christian Jews say, man, I heard you put your faith in Jesus. That's good. But if you really want to be saved, want to be like me, you ought to get circumcised. You can imagine the kickback they got from that. Uh, I don't think so. I'll just be what, I'll just be, I don't need to be saved like you. I'll just be saved like me. And they were beginning to put all this pressure on them and said, if you were really saved, you would do this. And Paul said, that's a bunch of crap, a bunch of bull, a bunch of dung, he would actually say. Those who place their Christ in faith are just as saved as any Jew or anybody else. He said, whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And he said, this isn't a circumcision of the flesh. Paul is writing here. He said, this is a circumcision of the heart. What does circumcision speak of? Cutting off and separating. Something that would cause you harm, it's done now, it's separated, and you're free from it. The dead thing's gone. A circumcision of the heart. Let me take you to Romans chapter 7. Paul would say this, O wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? I'm fixing to share something with you that's very gross. Are you okay? Here it is. One of the cruelest Roman punishments was tying a decomposed body to the criminal. A dead body. A body that was already dead, they would tie it to a criminal. Criminals who had done something very vile. Terrible. And they tie this dead body to this person and they would walk around and do life with this dead decomposing body attached to them. As you can imagine, the stench, bodily fluids coming out of the body, Everything's manageable for a little while. But what happens is, is this body continues to decompose. The criminal becomes infected. 
They become infected and diseased. Slowly, the criminal begins to get sick and to die. Maybe when Paul wrote this, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? He was speaking of a salvation experience. What I mean by that was Paul, before he got saved, done his best to please God by living, trying to keep the law. But he could not keep it. And he failed God, and he failed God miserably. And it was like he was beating his head up against the wall, trying to do something he could not do. And he said, oh God, who will save me from this body of death? And God sent Jesus. Who died in our place for us lived a sinless life, died for us, and rose again, defeating death, hell, and the power of sin over our lives, separating us from the dead man. See, if I could break salvation down into steps... See, it happens instantaneously. When you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved. But if I could break it down into steps, this would be the first step. You're set apart. You're circumcised of heart. The power of sin is broken over your life. Point number one is this. Let it go. If Jesus has broken the power of sin, causing it to let you go, yet it's still attached to you, hear me, it's because you're holding on to it. Are you carrying around any dead weight? Are you walking around this morning as a child of God carrying around some dead? What? Anybody in here this morning listening to me? Jesus has set us free. He has circumcised us, set us apart. We have a circumcision of the heart. The dead man has been done away with. The power of sin has been broken. If you're carrying around some dead weight, it's not because of something Jesus didn't do. It's something that you're holding on to. But you better let it go. You better let it go this morning. Infection will set in. What you could so easily carry around becomes heavy. Weighs you down, doesn't it? Hard to walk around carrying dead weight on your back. That's why Paul would say in Hebrews, lay aside every weight that so easily ensnares you, trips you. We've got to let it go this morning. Then the Bible talks about not only letting it go, it goes on to say this. Let me read it with me. We've been circumcised, not by hands, but by the... 
by putting off the body and the flesh and the circumcision of Christ. We've been circumcised of heart. Verse 12, when you were buried with him in baptism. So here's the next part of salvation. The step of the steps in an instant change in your life. This is first you're separated, then you're put to death and buried. What is buried? All of your sin. Listen to me. When you get saved, it's not about a good person becoming better or a bad person becoming better. It's about a dead man coming to life. I said it's about a dead man coming to life. This is why salvation, Sister Judah, is the greatest miracle of all. Because it's resurrection life, breathing into a dead man's body, causing dead men to walk and live again. It's the blind being able to see. It's being snatched out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. And in this church, it will be celebrated as the greatest miracle of all. Josh has one leg if God healed him and out from his knee come another leg. It would not be the greatest miracle. That miracle I seen this morning at about 10, 15, when this woman with tears coming down her face said, I want Jesus, I want Jesus to come into my life. Friend, that is the greatest miracle of all. See, Jesus is not interested in remodeling us. No, when we get saved, us, we have to die. And we and all of our sin and our past and our shortcomings, Jamie, they are all put to death and buried with him. Paul would say this in Galatians, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. When you get saved, you die. And you're old. The old you is buried. Which leads me to point number two. Not only should you let it go, You've got to leave it behind. Let me say that again. Not only do you have to let it go, but you have to leave it behind. Your sin and your past has been buried. So stop digging it up. Are you listening to me this morning? You're making me nervous because you're so quiet. It'd be fine to say amen every now and then. This is good news. I'm I'll be one thing if I was talking about bad news. This is good news. Your past has been buried. Uh, anybody, anybody want me to put up some stuff you've done on the screen? 
Huh? Anybody? Anybody? Well, how about how about any thoughts you've had just this morning? Anybody want to offer up all your thoughts this morning? Up on the, the, we can get them to Brother Bill. He can make them. He can put up the, up there on the screen. Anybody? Aren't you glad your sin and your past has been buried? Listen to what it says. Is it? He said, "You have been buried with me." I was thinking about this. My sin, my past has been buried. Why is this so important? Because Satan is an accuser of the brethren. Anybody know what I'm talking about when I say Satan will bring up things you've done in your past? He'll bring up some of the things that you've done, some of the things that you've, you don't even want to think about. Satan will bring them up. He'll try to remind you of them. He'll say, do you, do you remember when you've done this? See, if you don't know the truth, if you don't know the word, you'll begin to meditate on those things. Your mind will take you back to those things and when you've when you done them, what you've done, and relive it all over again. But you need to know that your sin, your past, has been buried with Christ. Let me say this. Not only do you not need to dig into your past and rehash things that God has forgiven you of, you don't, let, you don't need to let Satan bring accusation against you, but you also don't need to let somebody else talk about one of your brothers or sisters. Where's my brothers and sisters at? I said, you don't need to let other people talk about your brothers or your sisters. Amen? Why? Because they've been forgiven as well. There's, have you ever met somebody and thought, I genuinely like these people. They seem nice. We get along. And then you tell somebody, hey, I met this person. You tell them who they are. No, oh, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. And then they feel like it's their mission in life to now cause you not to like those people and tell you all the things that they have done, things you don't even know about, things that you didn't even ask about. You just went and had lunch with them. You just met them in the front yard. You didn't ask about all this. But they're digging up all this stuff about those, you know what I'm talking about? The Bible says Jesus, Jesus said this, that the world will know that you're my disciples because of the love that you have for one another. Not only do you not need to be digging up your past, you need to protect the graves of your brothers and sisters. Come on now, hallelujah. Leave it behind. You got to let it go. You got to leave it behind. Your sin and your past has been buried. Stop digging it up. And then verse 14, I love this. The Bible says he erased the certificate of debt, blotting out all the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. 
and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. When you think about the cross, you think about Jesus hanging there. But before you put Jesus up on that cross, let me bring your attention to the picture Paul is painting here. What was at the top of that cross? See, it was the Romans who crucified Jesus or carried out the punishment. And all the charges, all the sin that a person would had committed, the, 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 not the sin, but the law that they had broken would be up above them, nailed to the cross. That's why up above Jesus it said, King of the Jews. That's what they were so mad about. That he would say he was the King of the Jews. The Romans said, this is the only thing we know to, why to crucify him is because he said he's the King and you don't want him to be the king, so. But what about us? Every sin you've ever committed, would ever commit, is nailed to the cross. A list of all the wrong that you had ever done, nailed to the cross. What could reconcile all these debts and charges. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. What would clear out the list of sins I committed? Ariel, you told me. Ariel told me the other day. She told me this again, but she didn't know that she'd already told me some a story. You know what I'm talking about? So I just listened to it anyway. Like it was the first time. And she told me, she said, Pastor, I know when I got saved. I said, well, that's good to know. She said, I know when I got saved. She said, do you remember that message where you was holding up the cross and, every, and you had sticky notes and everybody wrote on the sticky, you had people write on the sticky notes what people had said about them or sins they had committed. And then you told people to come up to the sticky note and put it on the cross. She said, that's the day I got saved. That's the day I became a new person. I put all the stuff, the old me, I took it to the cross. I'm telling you today, if you'll take your sin, if you'll take yourself, if you'll take your mess, if you'll take your junk, if you take it to the cross, Jesus will erase it and take it out of the way. The Bible says he nailed all our sins, all that we had ever done, all the ordinances that were against us. They were nailed, taken away, nailed to the cross. Here's my third point. Listen to me now. Listen to me. Here's my third point. Listen to me. Don't look back. Don't let go. Don't, don't pick it back up. Leave it behind. And don't look back. Hear me now. Hear me. Hear me. Don't give your past another look. 
Why? Because it does not exist. Your past and your sin has been erased. Your past and your sin has been erased, nailed to the cross, taken away. Three examples of some folks in the Bible who let it go, left it behind, and didn't look back. Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus was blind, a beggar. He heard that Jesus was coming, and he said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. He cried out to Jesus. And you know what some of the church folks said? Shut up. Don't bother Jesus. He got louder, the Bible says. Finally, he got the attention of Jesus. And Jesus said, bring him here. Blind Bartimaeus stumbled up. And he had this cloak on, and the Bible says he took the cloak, he took the, his, his jacket, his, this, this garment, and he laid it down, cast it away, and he staggered up to Jesus, and Jesus healed him of his blindness. Here's my point. That cloak wasn't just any cloak. It identified who he was. It was a beggar's garment. He would lay it down. He couldn't make any money. The only money he got was money that was given to him by charity. And he would, he would lay there every day waiting for someone to give him some food or to give him some money. Blind Bartimaeus stood up knowing it was Jesus that called him. He said, I won't need this anymore. I won't be a beggar anymore. I'm not going to be blind anymore. This is the first day of the rest of my life. And he threw the coat down. He laid it down, he let it go, and he didn't look back. There's an Old Testament story about, about a man named Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah was a prophet of God. He was one of the baddest, coolest prophets of all time. He'd, he'd say, stop raining, it'd stop raining. He'd pray down fire from heaven, fire would fall from heaven. I mean, he was, he was, he was one of the best. The Bible says that he's seen Chose him. The Bible says he took, the prophet of God, took his cloak and threw it on Elisha. Elisha was plowing the fields when he threw the cloak over him. The Bible says Elisha got up knowing that he had been chosen by God. Sound familiar? You didn't choose Jesus, but Jesus chose you. He said, I've been chosen by God. The Bible says he got off his plow. He stopped the oxen. He killed the animals. And he burned his plow to the ground. His plowing days were over. He let it go. He left it behind. And he didn't look back. Third story. I got more, but we ain't got time. My third story is this. Jesus is just starting his earthly ministry. He's trying to get a few folk that will go with him to help him build his kingdom. And he chooses a ragtag bunch, a total of 12. One of the ones he chooses is Peter. And he said, Peter, Peter was out fishing. 
He was a fisherman by trade. He loved to fish, or maybe he didn't love to fish, but that's the only way he could make money. He would cast nets and drag them in and cast them back out and drag them in, and he had a boat. Jesus looked at Peter and said, Peter, he said, follow, come follow me. Come follow me. And the Bible says that Peter left his boat, he left his net, and he went to follow Jesus. Here's the one thing I want to say, though, about that story. He should have sold his boat. Because after Jesus died and rose again, he had to find Peter. And Peter wasn't praying. Peter wasn't doing the will of God. You know where Peter was, what Peter was doing? He was back fishing again. Friend, when God calls you, he causes you, he calls you to let it go, to leave it behind, not to look back. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. If you were, please feel free to share on social media, subscribe, or leave us a review. We can't wait for you to join us here again.